Okay, we played uh, this song. It's the end of the world as we know it because uh, one, of the, one of these days, uh, that, will, uh, that will happen. It will be the end of the world. And in our Afterlife series, we're talking about that. And uh, we are finishing that up today. And so if you have just recently joined us, maybe this is your first time here, and say, wow, th- uh, this Afterlife series, maybe I can try to hear it. You can actually go online and uh, hear some of those messages at lakepointonline.com and go to where your sermons are and you can, uh, you can actually listen to those audios. But this, um, this series has really been an eye-opener for me as well. Uh, you know, I, I, as I've shared in the past, I haven't really given much thought to heaven. I've had, two, I've had people tell me to, uh, that heaven is some place that is so beautiful that you cannot even imagine it, so I didn't. I didn't imagine it. And so because of that, heaven is just kind of beyond you know, my day-to-day life. And uh, so God wanted to, to remind us that there is an afterlife. And uh, there are two places, uh, choices that we are going to be able to go. And it is your choice. And uh, one choice, and it's the place that we, uh, that we talked about the very first week. And that is a place called hell. And one, place, one thing we learned about hell is that hell is not created, was not created for me It was not created for you. God is a loving, gracious God. Why would he create a hell for you? Just because maybe he doesn't like you, or maybe you don't, you know, just whatever. No, that was not the original intent. God created man and woman. God created creation to, to display his glory and Someone that can love him in return, and he could show love to them. And it was a world without sin, and so there was no need for hell. But Satan came into the world, into creation, brought sin into the world. God created hell for the devil and his angels, and hell was not created for you. There's a lot of people who go around and say, man, God just doesn't love me. He's just going to send me to hell. God doesn't send you to hell. You send you to hell. It is, it is your choice. It is your choice. You send you to hell. You say, well, well Frank, I don't want to go to hell. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to go to hell. But So I want to go to heaven. Well, then we talked about the second week. We talked a little bit about heaven. And what we mentioned is that heaven has a present heaven that is happening right now that coexists within the world. In fact, there are passages in Scripture that talks about where people in heaven can actually have some sort of connection here, uh, here to earth. Um, maybe they see a little bit what's, what's going on because of passages we, we see in Scripture, and we talked about that in week two. But the present heaven coexists somewhere, we don't know, coexists within this present earth. And when Christians die, believers, people who have accepted Christ as Savior, who've said, you know what, I'm a sinful person, and I need a Savior, and I need the blood of Jesus to wash away my sin. I need to believe in him, and I will believe in him. I will put my faith and trust in him. Come into my life, be Lord in my life. For those people who have that life, who live that life, and have made that choice, they're going to the present heaven. So if you are Christian and you die today, you would go to the present heaven. Then we talked about the eternal heaven or the new heaven and the new earth. Book of Revelation talks about this, how the, the present earth will, will burn away 
and will, will fade away, and the uh, present heaven will as well. And the new heaven will come down onto the new earth. And that's when, at the end of time, the end of the world as we know it, when that happens, God the Father will call all of, of his children, all of those believers, all of those people whose names are written in his land's book of life, those people, he will call them together, and he will say, hey, come rule and reign with me in the new heaven. And here's, here's what God wants us to do. God wants us to imagine the new heaven. He does. The new heaven, because it's going to be on earth. God wants you to, to see, okay, the beautiful things you see on earth, you, that's some of those elements you're going to find in heaven. Now, there's going to be a lot of cool things that, that we, won't even, uh, we never would have dreamed possible that are going to be in the new heaven. There's going to be so much to explore. It, it, it'll be earth, but it, it'll be different. But some of the elements of this earth um, we're going to see in heaven. How much of it? We don't know. We're not sure of that. But when we rule and reign on this earth... God wants us to imagine it. And the reason why he established heaven on earth, and he's going to do that, is because he wants you to say, okay, what you're experiencing, some of the good things on this earth, some of the things you love to enjoy, you're going to enjoy in heaven. You love the fish? I believe you're going to be able to fish in heaven and catch a bass every time. You know, uh, some of the things you like doing, go mountain hiking, okay, or mountain climbing, some of those things, you're going to be able to do all kinds of wonderful things and things that you never even dreamed of possible. I'll share with you my desire. I would love to fly. I just want to fly, okay? That's all I want to do. And so I really believe that, you know, maybe the new earth and the new heaven, I'm going to be able to do that. And, but this new heaven, the new earth, God wants us to imagine it. And the reason why, and here's one of the biggest reasons why, because if you and I don't imagine heaven and picture in our mind what heaven could, could be like, and if we don't think about heaven, then guess what? We're not going to tell others about heaven. There are people in your life. There are people in your family, people who live on your street, people you go to school with, people you go to work with that they have no clue about this heaven hell. They may may have heard of it, but they don't, they don't really understand it. They think that heaven's going to be like, we're just going to be like these little angels with little wings and harps, and we're just going to be floating around everywhere. That is the furthest from the truth according to what's in this book. And so they, they think, well, why would I, that's, that didn't seem like fun. Why would I, why, that seems boring. Why would I want to go to a place like that? Oh, but you, if you could only imagine, if you could only taste heaven. If you can only see the, the colors that have never been in existence on this earth, if you could just imagine the smells of heaven on this earth, you know, what would that be like? The beautiful sights. And the more that we think about it, the more we get excited about it, and the more that we tell people about it. And then guess what? We, we bring people with us. Because as I talked about last week, there's only three things that will last forever. The Trinity, which is God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity will last forever, God's Word will last forever, and people will last forever. 
That's not frank theology, that's biblical theology. So people will last forever, and so you can't bring anything with you. You can't bring your trophies, your, your money, you can't bring those things. But here's another thing you can't bring to heaven. You can't bring the sickness that you have, the aches and the pains that you have, the sadness that you have. You can't bring the disease that you have. You can't bring those into heaven. Those are not allowed. Praise the Lord. But you can bring people to heaven. And here's how you do it. You get excited about heaven. You talk about heaven. And you share with others about heaven heaven. Live with heaven on your mind and in your heart and in your conversations. Ask people this week, have you ever thought about heaven? What would heaven be like? It's a great conversation starter. And then get them to imagine some of the things that you have imagined as well. And so as we end this, uh, this particular uh, sermon series today, uh, we're going to visit what's going to happen to the world as we know it. What's going to happen in the end times? What's going to happen uh, when, uh, when God calls his children home? Now, there's a, there's a couple of ways that you and I, for those who believe in Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to heaven, there's two ways you're going to go to heaven, okay? There's either the rapture, which is you're alive, and Jesus comes, and boom, we're gone. We're, we're going to heaven, we're flying. <laughs> now, I would love that. I want to take that one, okay? If you would rather be taken by the rapture and not die, raise your hand. Yeah, okay, amen. All right. So we all want Jesus to come back. And for those who have, have accepted him as Lord and Savior, we're gone. That's a rapture. And we're like, man, that was fast. That's cool. But the other way that we get to heaven is um, that we die. We die. You know, there's an old joke that uh, many of you probably have heard where, this, uh, where, the, where these two guys are talking, and these guys really, really love baseball. And one of the, one of the guys, uh, uh, you know, uh, was talking to the other one, and, and he found out that this guy had a dream about going to heaven. He says, man, I had this dream about going to heaven. He says, you did? Yeah, and I, I have some good news and some bad news about heaven. And he goes, and the other guy says, oh, yeah, what is it? What's, what is it about heaven? He goes, well, the good news is that there's baseball in heaven. Oh, yeah, baseball in heaven. And then he said, well, what's the bad news? And he said, well, the bad news is that you're pitching tomorrow. <laughs> and so heaven, when we die, we go to heaven, to the present heaven. But there's a resurrection that happens. And this is when the new heaven comes down onto the new earth. When God has the resurrection of our bodies. And you say, well, Frank, by the time, you know, that happens, my body could be decayed. What if, you know, I've got relatives who are cremated and that kind of stuff. We don't know how God would do that. But here's what I, here's what I believe because it's in God's word. If God could take dust from the ground and make a human being, then I think he'd probably take care of this resurrection deal. You know, it's beyond our understanding. And so it's something that God can do because God can do it. When, if God can speak creation into existence, then he could do pretty much anything he wants. 
And so when that resurrection happens, we will be reunited, our bodies, our newly formed bodies, and our spirits into one. And we will be in the new heaven and the new earth. So two ways, either through the rapture or through the resurrection. But you know, one thing about the resurrection is that the resurrection was not, I mean, death was not originally part of God's plan. Death was not a part of God's plan from the beginning. So this whole idea of of a resurrection is not something that was in plan A that we know of for God. Because when God created man and woman, he created them to live forever. In fact, he created their bodies to live forever, for their bodies to last as long as their souls or their spirits, which is a very long time. And maybe it was the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Maybe because they, they, they were a, uh, able to eat from the tree of life. Maybe that provided them eternal life. We, we don't know. But we do know this. At the beginning of time, earth was sinless. Creation had no sin, had no flaw, and it was perfect. Just as God created it. It wasn't some sort of Neanderthal, knuckle-dragger, caveman walking around, you know, grunting or grunting. God made earth and his creation beautiful and perfect. And so death was not part of the plan, but here's where death entered. Sin came into this world, and because of that, sin was the sting of death. So like if, if you were to get bit by a rattlesnake, and you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you have no way to get back and nobody to help you, you're probably going to die from that. But what was the sting of that death? It was a rattlesnake. You didn't die immediately. You were able to live a little bit longer, but that rattlesnake bite was the sting that caused death. Sin is the sting in our lives that caused death in us, eternal death, eternal separation from God who was without sin. And so this whole idea of death was not part of God's plan. But God created the resurrection. One thing we got to understand about the resurrection, and and, and we're going to focus on this today. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm going to focus on the resurrection. Because the rapture, I mean, when it happens, it's done. We're good. And that's, you know, uh, whether we, our bodies stay here, our bodies go, uh, you know, up to heaven then, you know, I would imagine our bodies will go immediately up to, up to heaven. We don't know. But we do know this, that the resurrection uh, of our bodies uh, that are, even if they're decaying, that will happen. And so what does a resurrection look like? Why is a resurrection important? And so one thing we got to understand is that uh, the resurrection is physical. The resurrection is physical. Without it being physical, there can be no resurrection. You can't resurrect something that doesn't, has no, you can't touch, you can't feel. Okay, so you cannot resurrect, uh, there cannot be a resurrection without a body. So a resurrection has to be physical. And even Jesus showed us that. His resurrection was physical. When, he, when God raised him, raised him from the dead, 
three days after lying in the grave, it wasn't just a ghost. It wasn't just some sort of ghostly figure and his, his body remained in the tomb. No, it was physical. It was physical. And so that's how our resurrection uh, will be as well. You know, a non-physical resurrection is, is like a sunless sunrise. A non-physical resurrection is like a sunless sunrise. <laughs> and it, it, that just doesn't make sense. And so uh, it will incorporate our bodies. In, Gen, in Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 7, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And here's, here's the last part of this. Listen. And the man became a living being. So you have two parts to this. The man became a living being when God formed him. Now, he was not a living being after he was formed. He had a body. And then there was the spirit. And then God breathed the breath of life, the spirit of life into man. So man and woman, human beings, we are complete with body and spirit. And for us to be truly resurrected, it's not just our spirit, but our body that makes us complete and makes us whole. So the essence of humanity is not just spirit, but spirit joined with the body. Again, I said earlier, some people think that heaven's just going to be, we're all just going to be floating spirits floating around. No. <laughs> we're going to have the ability to do things in the new heaven on this new earth. Some of the, some of the things you can only imagine. Uh, for instance, if you like sports, I, I really believe that sports is going to be uh, part of this new heaven and new earth. And here's the reason why. All throughout Scripture, sports is used as a metaphor and an analogy through, uh, throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament. And so God, who created our beings, created us to do great things, he would want us to enjoy the new heaven and the new earth with our new bodies. And imagine some of the athletes who are believers that you could play alongside. What about, what about David Robertson, former center of the, of the uh, San Antonio Spurs, who, who is a believer? He goes to a church in San Antonio, and, um, and he is a, uh, obviously an incredible athlete. Imagine if I were able to play with David Robertson, and I was able to, to dunk over his head and stick my tongue out like this and slam it over David Robertson's head. Man, that'd be awesome. Or what about this? What if you were able to catch uh, footballs from Tim Tebow, you know? I mean, that'd be pretty awesome. Maybe his throw would be correct in heaven, you know? Maybe so. Um, but some of the things that, that you can imagine that you do on this earth, God wants you to imagine that you could do there. Now, don't walk away and say, hey, Frank says, man, there's, just, there's, there's absolutely proof in God's word there's going to be sports in heaven. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. Nope. Nope, I didn't say that. We're just going to imagine if sports are in heaven. And I believe that because there are some things like this on earth, that, that, uh, that those things will exist in heaven. Now, you may say, well, Frank, sports and those kinds of things, they, don't they kind of bring out the worst in people? 
Well, it's not really sports that do that. It's really people. People who are, who are you know, just full of themselves and the pride and, and all kinds of stuff. And they place bets and, you know, and they yell and scream and kick their TV and all kinds of stuff. And, and it's really sinful people who kind of bring out the worst in sports. Sports is amoral. It's not bad and it's not necessarily good. It's just amoral. And so God would want us to enjoy some of those things. So I, I share that with you because you've got to understand that when, our, when we are resurrected, it involves our body as physical beings, as physical beings on this earth. Another thing is resurrection is connected. Our resurrection will be connected to our lives here on this earth. Again, we look at the example of Jesus. When Jesus rose from the dead, he spent 40 days on this earth after his resurrection. During that time, he was connected to what he was doing. In other words, when Jesus rose from the dead, he wasn't like, well, what do I do now? I don't know people. You know, when his disciples came up to him and talked to him, it's not like he had amnesia. Who are you? John? Peter? Who, who are you? I, I don't know who you are. No, that's, that's, that's crazy. Jesus was connected to um, his life and his memory here on earth after his resurrection. Jesus Christ died. He rose from the dead. And this is one of the reasons why God chose this plan. This is so awesome. God chose for Jesus to be resurrected, not only to defeat death and hell and the grave and sin, but to show us an example of what our resurrection is going to be like. We will be connected. Our resurrected body will be connected to what we experience our life on earth. In other words, when we get to heaven, we're going to know one another. We're going to remember some things. Now, some of the, some of the, 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 the bad things in our life and some of the, the things that are sinful, well, those will not be allowed into heaven. And, and God does this, and we, we don't know how this is going to happen, but probably just because of the incredible glory of God. But we're going to be able to remember some things. We're going to be able to talk about some things. We're not going to be just a bunch of zombies up there going, who are you, and, you know, and that sort of deal. We're going, we're going to be able to remember some things. So you've got to understand it's very important that resurrection will be connected. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Let me read that again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. But just, become, just because we become a new person doesn't mean that we're, we're a totally different, a, a different person. Let me explain. Let's say if, if you are someone who spent your life not following Christ. Man, you're messing up and you've made bad choices and you've realized that you, um, you're going to hell unless something changes. So let's say if you accepted Christ as Savior, you understand uh, the, the, um, 
uh, the results or the outcome of your actions, and you understand that you're a sinner and you need a savior, and you accepted Christ and you are living your life for him. You are a new creation. But it doesn't mean that your body is totally transformed into somebody we don't even recognize. It's not like, you know, when my children accepted Christ as Savior, it's not like I woke up the, ne- woke up the next day and they come into the room and I go, whoa, who's that? Who, who's that person? I, I don't recognize that person. Well, of course you do. It's your child. Physically, you recognize that person, but they have a new creation from the inside. So this verse is, is uh, carrying over into the resurrection of, of, of our life. We're going to be able to recognize th- some things about who we are. And yes, we are a new creation, but it's not like we are totally, totally transformed to where we don't even recognize uh, each other. And so um, our resurrection is connected to physically, and our resurrection is connected to this life on earth, and our resurrection is like Jesus. Just like um, the apostles um, and uh, the disciples who saw Jesus after he was resurrected, they saw his, his, uh, his nail-pierced hands from the cross. They saw the the, the nail-pierced hands in his feet. They saw where the spear had gone into his side when he hung on the cross. They saw those things, maybe the scars from his, the crown of thorns, and maybe on his back. They saw those things. And um, because of that, we're able to uh, understand that Jesus Christ, uh, even though he rose from the dead, there's some, uh, uh, some basic truth is that our, rec- our resurrected body will be the same body that God created for us. But our bodies will be raised in greater perfection. Well, you may say, well, why did Jesus still have his nail prints in his hands and his feet? If his body wasn't raised in greater perfection, uh, then uh, that doesn't seem like perfection to me. I don't know about you, but I, there's nothing perfect than to be able to be reminded that what Jesus did for us. I don't know about you, but when I see Jesus, I want to say this. I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And show me your hands. That is perfection in the making right there. That is perfection right there. And so um, Jesus uh, being raised from the dead, walking in perfection in a perfected body, that's how we will be as well. And it's almost like a software upgrade. It's almost as if, um, you know, we get these software upgrades. Say, like, if you're having a particular word processing uh, upgrade uh, in your computer, and they've released it, and when, whenever you download this software and you upgrade your computer, it's not like it's going to be, whoa, what is this? I have never seen anything like this before. What is this software? Or, of course, you're going to recognize it. But it, what it will have is we'll have some upgrades to the software. It will have some things about that software that you're going to be like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, I like this. Oh, this makes sense. And it's not going to be like you will re- won't even recognize it, won't be able to operate it. That's how it's going to be with our resurrected bodies. Our bodies aren't going to be like, man, what's, what's this? You know, 
We're going to be able to know our resurrected bodies, how to operate our resurrected bodies, but there will be some upgrades to our resurrected bodies. There will be some great things that we'll be able to do. Imagine being able to do some of the things you've always wanted to do with your bodies and uh, be able to do those things, okay? That's pretty cool. And so our resurrected bodies, uh, like Jesus, will be an upgrade. And the last thing I want to mention to you about this uh, resurrection is that it's not only us that's waiting for the resurrection, but it's all creation, The Bible talks about how all creation longs for the resurrection. All creation longs for it. They say, well, that's that's kind of weird. Well, that's just what that's what God's word talks about. Because remember, in the beginning, everything was perfect. Sin entered the world, and because of that sin into the world, things begin to deteriorate on this earth. In creation, things begin to to go bad, deteriorate within man. So all of creation is longing for the newness of the resurrection on this life. So creation longs to be restored. A lot of people think they 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 treat this earth at the end times sort of like sort of like a, a, a lifeboat. Let's say if you're on the Titanic and you're on that Titanic, and this Titanic, this ship is going down, okay? You're, you're, you're standing on the ship, and it's tilting, and you're like, okay, I've got to get off this thing. I've got to get on the lifeboat because this thing is going down. So you get on the lifeboat, you save yourself and, and maybe a few others, and you move away from, from where this ship is at, and it goes down, and you're never going to occupy that ship again, and you're never going to go back to that place, obviously. Well, a lot of people treat... God's creation that way. Remember, when God created the heavens and the earth, and man, he said it was good. It was good. And so why would God take something that he created that's good and just scratch it, say, well, we're we're never going to go back there again? No. Some people treat God's creation that way, almost like the Titanic. Man, this earth is going down save yourself, maybe a few others, accept Christ as Savior, God's going to blow this thing up, and we're never going to return. No. That's not how it is. You know, I want you to consider it, I want to challenge you to consider it more like the ark that Noah built. You know, when Noah built the ark, he saved himself and his family, even, even part of creation, And it's not like the ark never returned. The ark was a place that they were safe for the destruction of the earth. And then where did the ark land? Did it land on a different planet? No. It stayed on this earth. That's how creation, or that's how the resurrection is going to be. And that's what what creation longs for. In Romans 8, chapter 19, 8, 19 through 23, it says this. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So children of God to be revealed. Everybody call up. He's talking about the resurrection. For the creation was subjected to frustration. 
not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So creation has been in bondage in, in decay, and it's waiting and longing for the freedom. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Even Paul uses something that is new. Childbirth creates something new. Yeah, it's, it's painful. There's labor involved. But in the end, childbirth is a beautiful thing. It creates a new life. Even that analogy that Paul uses is telling us, look, when we have the new heaven and new earth and, and we long for that resurrection and, and, and the newness and God flips this earth and makes all things new, it's going to be fresh and it's going to create newness. It's not going to be destroyed and never to be, to be renewed again. God is in, is in the business of restoration. He wants to go back to his plan he wants to defeat sin, which Jesus Christ has, but he wants to defeat death and hell and the grave forever and ever and ever. And whenever uh, Satan himself comes and he has to kneel before the throne of God and, and, and to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's able to send hell and his angels to the lake of fire, and everyone else that followed his ways in this wicked world, that's when he makes all things new. And so as creation longs for newness and redemption, does your spirit groan for redemption? Does your spirit groan and long for something greater? Are, are, you, are, you, are you living your life just sort of tired of some of, the, some of the junk that's coming into your life? Are you tired of, of living life for yourself? Are you tired of, of making those bad choices? Are you, are you tired of not having hope are you scared of where you'll go when you die? Do you have that longing for newness in your life? Sure, you may be able to hide it from others. You may be able to distract yourself so much that you don't even think about it. But if you stop and think about it right now, where would you go when you die? If you leave this place and you die today, where would you go? There's two places, heaven or hell. Does your soul long for newness in your life? He makes all things new. And you don't have to wait till the resurrection. 
This is so beautiful about this story. Jesus says, I've come to make all things new. First, I want to make things new in your life and your heart. And I want to restore your life to be the person I've designed you to be. And then at the end of time, resurrection of all creation, I want to make it new again, like I originally planned. God wants to do newness in your life. He wants to restore you. 